And then last up, but not least, we've got Pam Stevenson said hamburger cookout with the Kellett. Oh, the Stevensons were over there cooking out with the Kellett. So Mike is here. That's right. Mike, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great, and I remember those days. That was great. And, of course, nothing follows up a good uh, hamburger like some homemade ice cream from Good Okay, okay. Now, okay. Mm. Now, we know someone who makes us, like, you want to give a shout-out to the best homemade ice cream? Hey, Bill Bill Angeli, you're it, and I can't. you got to come home from Oklahoma. I'm having withdrawals, so we got to get back here, son. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, Mike, what was your, like, do you have any new traditions or, or old traditions? What were your favorite things to do during Memorial Day? Oh, well, uh, I, I really don't have any particular traditions other than eating, <laughs> uh, which is pretty much, I think, a tradition with everybody. Uh, just listen to Harley describe what her family was doing. I wanted to get her address and find out what time. Uh, but, hey, uh, yeah, just, every day. just being together, you know. And, and uh, whether it's playing games or uh, just celebrating, whether you're out on the river, or the lake, whatever, uh, just that time together with folks, it's always a neat, neat thing. For me, it's also special Memorial Day. My uh, my dad served in uh, World War II, uh, and uh, then my uh, oldest brother served in Vietnam War. My father-in-law served in uh, uh, Korea War, and so there's a lot of a lot of that in my family that I'm really, really grateful for the freedom that I have uh, uh, because of those men and women. So, But uh, in terms of uh, celebrating, I, I want to mention one other thing because Kyle did our communion. Uh, I was talking to him beforehand a little bit about it and talking to him about Memorial Day. Memorial Day was actually the day, Ryan, that... Kyle got blew up. That's right. It was actually that day, and so uh, I, I just can't imagine what you know what that's like. Uh, uh, we say we appreciate those things. We try to uh, uh, connect best we can, but you know, I've not been there. I've not done that. But I am very, very grateful for men and women uh, who have who have served and uh, uh, taking taking our freedom on their shoulders basically and paid the price. I want to mention, especially as, as I always like to mention, is the family of Chad Powell, uh, Jerry and Brenda, Chris. Uh, you know, Chad uh, was lost in the war uh, several years ago. Uh, I, I always remember his sacrifice, and I remember uh, the letter that he sent to the church, and uh, it just holds a very, very special place in my heart as well as I know in Allen's as we uh, participated there with that family in, in memory of him. And I just wanted to give a shout-out to the Powell family, some great servants for our nation as well as even greater servants for the kingdom of God. We want to show a video now to uh, just help us all, just for a moment, be thankful and remember our heroes.
I'll tell you what, those kinds of uh, videos as well as, you know, patriotic uh, music, any of that kind of thing always moves my heart. And again, I just want to say uh, how grateful we are uh, in our nation for those that serve in, in, in such ways as to offer everything uh, for our freedom. Freedom is a very special thing. And so uh, we want to always be sure and be grateful for the sacrifices made. Uh, as we turn and, and look in the Bible today, I want you to make sure you've got your Bibles open, okay? And we're going to be in John chapter 5, verse 31 through 47. So, Ryan, I need your help, all right? I, we're ready. Okay, I want to get some people. Now, look, you need to let Ryan know that you have your Bible open, okay? Come on, I'm watching. You already, you already uh, hit us up watch, in the comments. Give me, give me some names. I want to know who's actually got their Bible open and they're ready to roll today. And, and, uh, and you can have a, you can have a, uh, your sword like this or like that. So however you're doing, let us know. There you Either go. way works. Uh, open that up. We're going to look at some scriptures and uh, uh, dig in here in just a little bit. And before we do that, I want to ha- I want us to have a scripture reading from Carly Stone, and she'll be uh, reading a couple of verses for us. Hi, my name is Carly Stone, and today's scriptures are Second Timothy two fifteen and Second Timothy three sixteen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be shamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. And all scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All right, John chapter 5. Thank you, by the way, Carly. That's great. Appreciate you doing that so much. Uh, uh, Ryan, do we have some people that have turned in their Bibles yet? Oh, yes. Do oh, we, yeah. Do oh, we ever? That's right. So Larry Castle says we are ready. Greg Stover says he's ready. Who? What else we got? Ronnie Harley. on the phones. Okay. Uh, Misty Bean says Bible open. And there's a little Bible emoji. I didn't know there was a Bible emoji. Uh, you look at that. That's a Bible emoji. Uh, John Perkey says got it. Karen Traxler, my Bible is open. Susie Item open. Teresa Parton, my Bible is open. Lori Easterly, our Bible is open. I love it. We got a lot of open Bibles. We got a lot of open Bibles, open hearts open minds so mike it's on you now all right that's what i love to hear that's what i love to hear i want to know that we're digging into the book now uh, as we dive into this uh, last part of chapter five i, I want to just kind of remind us a little bit first that, that alan taught us uh, uh through this chapter about uh started with this great healing that takes place and then through this uh teaching of jesus uh, to the to the jews the pharisees and the scribes uh he he describes who he is, Jesus does, to them. But they still don't get it. They still don't recognize who he is. And even though he shows and proves that he is God eternal, that he is uh, the God of action, that he is the God of presence, he's the God of awareness, uh, that he's always there for us. And so all these verses in this early part of chapter 5, it's really almost a, a, a conclusion of everything that's been written from John up till now, saying Jesus is who he says he is. And that, matter of fact, that's what this book is written for, right? So to show that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. And so uh, this leads us now to this last section of John chapter 5, and this is a courtroom uh, type situation. If you think of it like that. Now, have you ever been in a courtroom? Uh, now, some of you, uh, you've been in a courtroom because I've been in a courtroom with you, okay? <laughs> and so I understand. I, you know, I get, now, 
couple of times I've been called for uh, uh, jury duty. They never keep me. I, they, they never let me be on one. I don't know if it's because I, I tied my tie in the hangman's noose or what it was, but I, somehow or another, they, they don't keep me. They let me go pretty quick. But it's always been interesting to me to, to watch court situations and witnesses are called, testimony is given, and decisions are made. Well, in this section of Scripture, there are some testimonies given, some witnesses uh, uh, for Jesus Christ. As, as it is, the Pharisees and scribes, they're accusing him of something, right? They're saying, you're not who you claim to be, and yet he's going to prove it without a doubt. So he starts out here in this uh, uh, verse 31 of John chapter 5. He says, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. Now, understand, it's only not valid because in terms of their framework as the Jewish people. Because remember, uh, testimony had to be established. The validity of something had to be established by two or three witnesses. That comes out of uh, the book of Numbers, and it also comes uh, out of Deuteronomy 17. And so you have to establish something that's true by two or three witnesses. And so Jesus is going to establish some truth by his witnesses. He says, there is, there is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is valid. Now he's going to call this first witness here in the next verse. You have sent to John... And he has testified to the truth. Now look at that. He says that you guys sent somebody to John. Now John testified to the truth. Now let me remind you in John chapter 1 and verse 19 about this. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. See, John the Baptist, his testimony is, I'm not the Christ, but I'm pointing to the Christ, right? And then he says, not that I accept human testimony, but I mentioned this, that you may be saved. Now, John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy the light. So he says about John the Baptist that he was a lamp. This uh, uh, luknos, this is the word for lamp. It's, no, it's not the source of light itself. It has its source somewhere else. And it's burns and burns and it's going to burn out. And this is, he says, it's past tense. So either John is either already in jail or he's already died. But Jesus refers back to John the Baptist is a testimony about him. He, he burned and he gave light. Now, John the Baptist was that kind of prophet and preacher that instantly attracted a lot of people. But a lot of people didn't necessarily hear his message and stay with him. Because he's preaching a message of repentance. He's preaching hard. Now, I'll tell you, I think there's a time in uh, the uh, church today, we need some John the Baptist-like preachers. We need some people that are willing to lay down the truth, whether anybody follows them or not. They just need to burn with passion, being the light, like John the Baptist was, talking about who Jesus is, who is the light of the world. And so that ought to be the kind of preachers we are. That needs to be the kind of preachers we raise up. Now, it's really interesting here because he says that they chose, Jesus tells them, you chose for a time, a time to enjoy it. So they were proud of the prophets on the scene. They're the Jewish nation. They're the nation of prophets, right? And so they gather around John kind of like moths around a light, you know. And so they're excited for a little bit. They enjoy it. 
But then when things get hard, they're gone. They don't really accept his testimony about Jesus. Now, some did. Remember the disciples in the first part of this, this book? Because they heard John the Baptist. They heard his lesson. And they followed Jesus. You see, the preachers today, we need to preach not that men follow us. We need to preach in a way that men follow Jesus. That's what we need to get across to people in our preaching. Now, don't draw attention to ourselves. We should draw attention to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. That's how we should preach today. Then said there's another testimony here given. The next witness gets called up to the stand, and this witness is something he says that's even weightier than that of John. He says in the next verse, I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the very work that the Father has given me to finish, and which I am doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. Jesus' works are testimony. So now you've got John the Baptist's testimony, now you've got, as a witness, now you've got the works of Jesus. Remember Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when he came and he spoke to Jesus? Remember what he said? He said, I know that you must be from God, because if you weren't from God, you could not do the works that you've been doing. Matter of fact, in this very chapter earlier, after he's healed this man, Jesus says in verse 17 to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So the works that are coming out here in full sight of everybody are the works of Christ. And they give a testimony of who who Jesus is. Now, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus describes that he's the fulfillment of a prophecy written back in Isaiah chapter 61. Listen to what he says. Now, Jesus says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. By the way, I think that's great, as was his custom. Holy habits are really good. Okay? Got that? And then he said... He stood up and to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. So they hand him a scroll. Jesus is in the synagogue. They hand him a scroll, and he unrolls this thing. They're a large thing. He may maybe even had some attendant help him. And he unrolls it, and he, he looks at it, and he finds this passage in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Those works that he described out of Isaiah 61, Jesus says, now I'm doing these works. It's fulfilled. Here I am. So the works testify. But not only that, the Father gives his testimony. Look here in verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. Think about the voice of God. Remember that? 
See, they've never heard it. But now we know the voice of God was heard, right? Remember Jesus' baptism? And the voice came and said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And yet, these people have never heard the voice of God. How could that be? These are, the, this is the nation of Israel. This is God's special people. Yet, this particular group, he says, you've, ne- you've never heard God's voice. They were deaf and they were blind. They didn't hear his voice. And then it says, you have never seen his form. Now, what's really odd about that is his form is right in front of them. Jesus is God in the flesh. They just didn't believe it. I mean, they could hear his voice right there and see his form, but they did not. They did not understand who he was. They refused to believe that he was the Son of God. And then it says his word does not dwell in them. Even though they were claimed to be experts in the word, his word didn't dwell in them. This leads to the next witness. So you've got John the Baptist. You've got the works of Jesus. You've got the Father. And now you've got the Scriptures. Look at what he says. You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And when they searched them diligently, somehow or another, their diligence and their discipline, they did not discover who Jesus was. It's a sad thing to think that people can be so religious and even have memorized the Word of God and, uh, and have been diligent to, to the book. And yet somehow or another they miss the Savior. This is what happened to the scribes and Pharisees. As a matter of fact, look, they were diligent, but they weren't diligent toward the right thing. You could ask them how many chapters were in a book, and they could tell you. You could ask them how many verses in a chapter, they could tell you. You could ask them how many words, this is how they got it down to, how many words were in a verse, and they knew it. They could tell you what verses used the majority of the alphabet and what didn't. They knew what was the middle word of a verse and what was the middle, uh, uh, what was the middle uh, letter that was used in that verse. I mean, they, they went overboard on learning all these kinds of things. They were diligent about all that, and yet they missed the point of who Jesus was. It's kind of like if you go to uh, if you go to the movie with someone, and they're really into everything about the movie except the movie. You know what I'm saying? In other words, they can tell you uh, the credits, they can tell you the the shots, the camera angles, the all. They're into that, right? And they know all that, but somehow or another, if they miss the story of the of the mes- of the movie, they miss the movie. These guys, they were into the details of a lot of things in the Bible, but they missed the Messiah. It's kind of like someone uh, asking you to come over and listen to your, the sound system. You, know, you got a new sound system, and they turn on a song, and, they, and, and, and they're explaining to you everything about the sound system. 
by the, hey, do you hear that? Do you hear the basses there? And do you hear the, the highs here are just right? And, and, and boy, doesn't that have a great sound here? And, and all those things that go into the technology side of it. And then you're asking, but, but what about the song? Oh, I don't care about the song. Oh, really? So these scribes and Pharisees were diligent in the scriptures, but they missed the Messiah. The scriptures testified to who Jesus was. They should have realized it. Remember the two guys uh, on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection? Jesus meets them. And he's walking along with them. And he says to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And look what he does. And beginning with Moses... And all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Moses and all the prophets are written to show who Jesus is. And it explains Christ and God's plan for us through the gospel. So the scriptures become a great testimony to who Jesus is. And so if I study them but I miss him, then I've really missed the mark. So you've got John the Baptist, you've got the works of Jesus, you've got the Father testifying for him, you've even got the Word of God. Now this next section is kind of the conclusion of the trial. It's kind of the summary of it here. Jesus says this, I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. Here's why they missed it. Here's the reason they rejected Jesus. They did not have the love of God in their hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. Now, But if someone else comes in his own name, you'll accept him. See, you've accepted other people, but you won't accept me. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? You see what's happening here? He says their love was unreal. It was fake. It was shallow. They pretended to honor God, but really they wanted to honor themselves. They wanted to say, look how well we know the scriptures. Look how great we're doing in life. Look, we've got it all down. We're a special people. Look at us. They really did it for their own glory. They sought from fame in their study of scripture. They sought that in their arguments, in their debates, in their interpretations, always one-upping others, showing their arrogance and their pride. And by doing so, they missed the simple message of the story of Jesus and who he is. And there are people still doing that today. They get caught up into a study within something within the Bible and they miss the whole point of who Jesus is. Look, you don't have to have someone that knows Hebrew to understand the Old Testament. You don't have to know the original Greek language to understand the New Testament. It's not that there can't be scholarly works. There are, and I appreciate the scholars so much that have laid out many things for us to learn from. But look, you and God's Word is enough. It's written so that the mo- in the most simplest way that anyone can understand 
the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when you find someone that says they have a special revelation, beware. You find someone that says, well, you really can't know the deep things unless I teach you. You have a warning right there. And you're, you let a red flag go up in your mind. Because I promise you, coming with that is arrogance, argumentation, and pride. And they always bring glory to themselves, even while they say, hey, give glory to God. Same way happened in Jesus' day. It's still happening today. The gospel is a simple message for anyone to understand the story of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Remember in John chapter 9, there's a, there's a blind man that's healed. And after they've questioned him, these Jews and, and, and Pharisees and scribes, after they've questioned they question him a second time. And in verse 24 of 9, uh, he says, A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? I love this. Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> you know that got their goat right there, right? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You're this fellow's disciple? We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as far as this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, and I love this, that, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Now can you imagine, you're so blind that when a guy gets healed... Whether it's his blindness or whether earlier in chapter 5 the lame man walks, you see it and all you can think about is your religious tradition being violated. You can't celebrate what's been done in someone else's life. Your religion gets in the way of seeing Jesus. Has, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had your own religious tradition get in the way of seeing who Jesus is? And what the Bible really says. I think there needs to be a revival of looking at God's word afresh. There needs to be the love of God in our hearts. Going and digging into the word of God to see who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That needs to be something that's brand new for our lives. Look, the word of God is powerful. As Carly read to us, it's made to help us correct and, and reprove and rebuke us. It's useful to us. And we need to handle it right. We need to correctly handle the truth. We don't take the Bible to beat others over the head or to argue our position. That's not what using the Bible is about. The Bible is living and it's active and, and it has the words of God by the Holy Spirit in there. And we need a freshness, a prayerfulness that says... God, I want to understand what you say and in understanding see a better picture of who Jesus is and how that should affect how I live. Remember, Christianity in the simplest form is me becoming more like Jesus than I have been the day before. Now, that's always a challenge and it's always remarkable to me that religious people somehow or another 
can get into all kinds of arguments and debates in the Bible, and yet they miss the gospel. And they miss the simple story of what changes the hearts of people. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss the message God has for me. I don't want to miss seeing who Jesus is and having a clear picture of him because he is how I need to be. I want to know how I can be like him. And the word of God feeds me, it nourishes me, and it helps me gain spiritual strength to walk more like Jesus walked. So now through these first five chapters, Jesus is the son of God. He's proven by his signs. He's proven by his works. He's proven in his, in his verbiage. He's in his teaching. And yet you have a group of people who still refuse to believe who he is. Don't be a part of those who are religious and yet don't have the love of God in their hearts. Or we end up where these people end up. And that ain't a good place, right?